robot combat enthusiasts to another electrifying episode of Havoc Rundown, the podcast where sparks fly and metal clashes and the thrill of robot combat takes center stage. I'm your host, Justin, and we're diving headfirst into the heart of the mechanical mayhem that is NHRL. From Titanium Titans to Steel Gladiators, Havoc Rundown is your front row seat to the adrenaline pumping world of robot combat. Whether you're a seasoned engineer, a casual fan, or just someone who loves the smell of bot carnage in the morning, you're in for a wild ride. Each week, we'll be dissecting the latest bot battles, breaking down the strategy that led to victory, and interviewing the masterminds behind these bot robot combatants. We're not just talking nuts and bolts here, we're delving into the stories behind these mechanical warriors and the genius minds who bring them to life. Expect exclusive interviews with NHRL's brightest stars, behind-the-scenes stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat, and an expert analysis that goes beyond the arena. This isn't just a podcast, it's the Havoc Rundown! I am not alone, though. Joining me this episode is... He learned naming your bot after an undeliverable piece of mail may not have been a good idea. It's Ryan Hunter. Mm, whoopsie. <laughs> uh, she is the terror of the pits when she has a bullhorn. It's Ashley Beckman. Mm. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> uh, our resident expert at getting past any lock. It's Thomas Carroll. Mm. You have nothing to fear except for walking robots. <laughs> uh, after the cannolis he brought us last event, he, we definitely know he's in the mob now. It's Tony Baker. Mm. <laughs> it's Tony the Godfather. Yeah. Uh, and our special guest this episode, another other than our favorite combat robotics podcast, Behind the Bots, say hello to Luke, Chris, and Lindsay. Hi, hi. Ooh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you guys for being on. It's going to be amazing. This event was amazing. Um, so to start with news, the NHRL New Bots event happened on January 20th. We saw some amazing new innovations in the world of combat robotics. Uh, through a hard-fought day, we had our winners in each class, including what may be a new emerging meta in the threes, but we'll talk about that a little later. The Golden Dumpster winners were Scurry Fest in three pounds, which is a multi-bot that combines a silent spring type bot with a weaponless crash fest. Brought to us by Robert Rund and Miles Sim. Uh, questionable Choices took 12 pound, which is a vertical spinner. Brought to us by Mark Liu, I think is how you say his name. Uh, and finally, Ricky Willems took home 30 pound with his miniature, in quotations, mammoth called Moccasin. <laughs> so those were our winners for January. Uh, since this was such an amazing event with so many new awesome designs, we felt we couldn't contain it to just us. So we had to bring in some help. Therefore, this is our special post-event show crossover with uh, Luke, Chris, and Lindsay from Behind the Bots. We're going to be covering some of our favorite fights, what our thoughts are on the changes being made to this year, and some of our predictions moving forward. Since we technically have guests on, I think it is fitting that they answer our icebreaker question, what do you guys think? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no definitely. Yes, so. No oh sticky <laughs> Uh, okay, so this I'm is not a good uh, talker, our icebreaker question that we have whenever we have any kind of guest on. So uh, Luke, Chris, and Lindsay, each of you can answer this. If you could be given a superpower, but it is an off-brand superpower, so something weird that's not like flying or speed or anything like that, what would it be? I, I always know what mine is, like right off the cuff. <laughs> I wish that every day I woke up well-rested and refreshed. <laughs> Oh my god. That is the most That's middle-aged awesome. answer exactly. you can possibly come up with. Can you imagine what you could accomplish <laughs> if you were well-rested every day? That's... And who I are you, been... sir? I don't need coffee man. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been well-rested since I was like 18, I think. 
<laughs> That's like if you used more than 10% of your brain. Yeah. You'd be yeah. unstoppable. It's called retirement. That's what it's called. <laughs> uh, Lindsay or Luke, do you, do you know what yours would be? This is such a good question. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that this is not a superpower or even an off-brand superpower. I would just like to be less clumsy and like maybe slightly more in control of how I move my body. You can have the power of hand-eye coordination. Yeah. And hand-foot yeah. coordination. She is average dexterity woman. <laughs> like I will take average. If I can bump myself up to average dexterity, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'd be uh, limitless, like the way a well-rested Chris could be. You know, maybe yeah. if you want more rest, you would actually have better agility. <laughs> uh, one, the, in that kind of vein, the thing uh, I want to have now after seeing it, I don't know if you guys have seen the Rick and Morty episode where he has the stat changer, where he gives uh, her the stat changer where she can like change her strength, like her strength goes up, but her like intelligence go down, like she can change her D and D stats. No, I, I just thought that would, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> just change your stats whenever that. you want. But yeah. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> just respec into monk. It's fine. Yeah, Luke, you still here? Might have lost the Luke. Yeah, Luke is having some issues, so he might pop in and out. So that's fine. Um, okay, well, those those Wait, are awesome. Luke's superpower is insanely good internet. Yeah. <laughs> That's just he wherever wants. he goes, he, he yeah, is his internet. own. So he's his own right, hotspot. Exactly. Go right into he the like the, the vein of Lindsay's superpower and just average internet. Luke needs average internet. <laughs> <laughs> but but wherever he is, he's just yeah. he is a human hotspot. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the hot spot. Oh, is he like a fire guy? No, he, he just has good internet. No, no, he just has yeah, good internet. Just join Luke. It's, 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 the other side is Luke. <laughs> he would get like the monkey's paw version of that superpower though, and he would just literally be a hot spot. It's just, it's just unpleasantly warm in the vicinity of Luke. Uh, that's so good. Um, okay, so I wanted to uh, start... Uh, off by talking about the winners that I mentioned um, and what we think led to their victory. Uh, so we had, like I said, Scurry Fest, Questionable Choices, and Moccasin. Scurry Fest is a multi-bot. You know, Robert Run, Miles Sim. It was Robert driving Crash Fest like he drives. And Miles Sim, I mean, I, I know it's not Silent Spring, but it was Silent Like, So it was, it was Robert teaming up with Silent Spring. It was just a multi-bot thing that was just amazing. Anybody have notes on that? I know, Ryan, you wanted to talk about it. I mean, like, if we're talking about the three-pound class, we'll we'll get into, like, basically the, the fact that the final was four bots in one cage is <laughs> on, half, on half of me is like, that's amazing. I love it. I love that you have to have teamwork. And I love seeing it. And the other half of me is like, okay, like now everybody, where everybody's been complaining about like multi bots and stuff like that is like, oh, this doesn't look good. This is gonna be a blow up Discord. <laughs> uh, but I love the that that bot Scurry Fest is amazing because the fact that you can make one Crash Fest two pounds 
which is pretty easy because really if you take crash fest all you had to do was take out the servo and the servo and the little flippies yeah. flippy thing being basically like half a pound or a pound yeah it's two pounds and you could run just a two pound crash fest and win everything but the problem is you need a weapon and it's like oh how am i gonna do a weapon oh i'll just I'll just have an undercutter that's extremely <laughs> powerful and I'll just push people into it. it. It's it's such a good idea. It's such a good team up. And I mean, if you're going to team up with anybody as you're pushing control bot, why not Robert Runt? You know, yeah. like it is, they completely deserved that first place. It was well built. Both of them were well built. Um, and I really like it. I really, I really like the bots. It's really interesting to, to watch like the meta on top of meta start to shift with the multi bots and how people are, are essentially not rule smithing, but like thinking about combinations of, of bot types that would be advantageous against whether it's single or multiple opponents. And like that, I, I had kind of mentioned this in the closing, uh, during the dumpster giveaways, but like you know, this, this persona is starting to take shape of this is a, like a, a defensive Ronin that you can like bring into your configuration. That is, uh, that, that is really, really providing, uh, especially the more destructive vertical and horizontal bots, like a lot more control where they normally wouldn't necessarily have it. And so you see people like Robert Rund and, and Nate Franklin and even Zoe with with uh, with Mammoth, like you're you're bringing in like incredibly talented control and defensive drivers to augment your uh, your your robot, which might be you know a really offensive bot, but maybe a glass cannon, maybe something that doesn't necessarily have the ground game, and that is completely changing uh, the way that people have to actually bring their bots and think about the challenge because. You might be up against the three pounder, but the three pounder happens to have Robert and Crash Fest just sitting, sitting beside <laughs> it, and that yeah. is that's a total game changer. And um, also, Stag Beetlebot was a mini bot for Corey's twelve pounder, and he's an excellent control bot, an excellent like driving driver. And even though they didn't like get all the way in that tournament, it was still really awesome seeing him there well he they were across from us at the pit table but it was really awesome seeing him there doing that filling that role and like even hearing in the pits and also hearing like on the discord and also between drivers and stuff like that people going okay so seeing people actually have discussions now of like i really respect you as a control bot driver i really like how you drive i really like how you design robots how about you be my mini bot driver is really awesome. And it's really, it's also like going to mean more people are going to be able to go to events, but also clear out room where they would normally bring a bot. Oh, I don't have to bring a bot to every event. I could also be somebody's mini at an event. I could be somebody's helper. I could be somebody's second half at an event. Yeah. It, it fills that role that people are upset about the new, the new system of registration um, and it allows people to help out and be there. And 
Michael was also testing things. He was talking to us during the day and he was testing new uh, armor configurations, new layering configurations, new ways that Stag Beetlebot can um, hold up against opponents. And if you think about it, throwing Stag Beetlebot and new configurations for Stag Beetlebot into a 12 pound match instead of testing it for what it's going to happen on a three. It's like if you can get a 12 pound, uh, you know, stag beetle bot to hold up to a 12 pound weapon. There's nothing in the threes that's going to touch that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a brilliant idea. And Michael, yeah. uh, you know, the builder is uh, he is uh, he grinds and he like, you know, he documents oh, yeah. everything. And he's one of the builders that I love uh, just watching grow and grow at an incredible pace. Um, and stag is it's it's a completely different bot than how it started it's getting better and better but the competition is getting harder and harder mm-hmm. uh, but i think that he's one of those uh builders that um has that grit that is going to at least maintain uh you know the growth of if, of his building prowess alongside of the growth of the the actual sport yeah justin yes oh my goodness you can hear me this is incredible <laughs> he just had to go to his car <laughs> okay, all right, all right. This is this is how out in the middle of nowhere I am. I had to get into my car to drive down to City Hall because that is where the cell phone tower is. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Luke Luke yeah. went out into the wilderness to fight a bear to get internet yeah. to be on the podcast. It's it's a very bad storm also up here right now. Literally there is no one out on the road um other than you know like these Crazy 1,000 ton like um, snow trucks. But, uh, you know, I'm doing it for you guys because I love your show. Luke, oh, we love you too, Luke. Luke, don't play it off like you live in like the rural Adirondacks. You live in Rhinebeck. You're probably sandwiched right now between a French <laughs> restaurant and Paul Rudd's house. Yeah, well, there's that too. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're hipsters out here. We, we like to keep life, you know, a little um, rural. You know, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, I, I was curious... Were, were we going to talk about multi-bots like as a concept yes. multi-bots as like a uh, like kind of a lightning rod I guess currently right now in the community I would say like it's a controversial topic yes because I mean like you know the final match were two multi-bot teams against one another I feel like a lot of the kind of finals that i've been seeing at least in the beatles um for the last couple of events have been at least one or both you know sides of the box or multi-bots and i saw a really interesting discussion on discord around you know do you need a multi-bot in 2024 to have any shot at winning an hrl right yeah and is that fair it's like i think you're i I think it's probably gonna be that way unfortunately but i think what we were talking about a a few minutes ago is the concept of it's actually getting more people into the events and to actually compete because to have a multi-bot you need two people so if for some reason let's take the extreme you have 96 bots that means you could technically have 192 people competing in the three pound bots if they were all multi-bots i know they're not gonna right. but like that you're now bringing more people to the events to be able to compete than we were even with 160 bots it's always kind of been a thing in the 12s and the 30s too. It's just in the threes, it's more of a multi-bot and less of like the bigger bot and then smaller helper. But I mean, in the 12s and the threes, we've always seen competition. I mean, 
take questionable choices the winner of the 12 like he he had a mini bot that was going around and and was wedging and, and helping him out um so it's something we've seen in the 12s and the 30s it's just because of the changes in some of the rules multibots are more of a thing that could be done in the threes now and it's a bigger thing in the threes because of the competition that's there but just I don't think you need the right minibot though. It's like you can't just throw any minibot in there. You can't just right. throw anybody in there. You need a good driver that's going to be able to do that to be able to win. It's not like right. you can just, oh, I'm going to throw two bots in there and I'm going to win it all. It's like, no, it still takes a lot of work to be able to do that well. Otherwise, yeah. you just get each other's way. I mean, there's there's like a there's there's like a philosophical kind of point here that I find really interesting, where it's like people for the last two years probably plus have been building robots that they can only run at nhrl you know like um like you know i'm thinking of like team pandemonium and um their like bite force and ribot clones like those are seven and a half pound robots like that is not a class that they can run anywhere else you know like they can't cut weight and wedge them into like um a beetle box you know like in, in new jersey or whatever um you know, like the repeater robots, those are like two pounds each. Like where else are they going to run these anywhere in the country? Like they're flying in from Texas with these two pound robots to fight here, you know, and I can see the, I don't know, salty Californians out there who are like, um, why should I build a super competitive robot if I'm only going to come out once and like my chance of winning a golden dumpster is so slim, but am I going to build something totally bespoke for this um, that I can't run at Scar or at Robo Games or anything like that, you know? Yeah. And is that, is that fair? You know, one of the things that I was looking at, like in the rules, like I would, if I was going to do this, I would build more of a three pound bot and actually use the one and a half pounds if you're a multi-bot. So it, then you have your main bot that you can use and compete anywhere else you want. And then when you come and compete at Norwalk, you add in this extra piece that's gonna actually help and enhance your bot and the competition, but you still have your three pound bot that can compete at Moto and all those other competitions around the country. Kind of like what Robert did. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Robert has the extra piece. All, I mean, it's it was literally Crash Vest. He just took the part of it that's technically an active weapon because he already had an active weapon in the other bot. Yeah. So it's it's crash fest with just a piece missing. So that is an option. You're right, Tony. That is something that like you can take a bot that can be done anywhere and then just make it lighter somehow and then take that weight and put it into something else and do that multi-bot uh, configuration. The question is, do we think that we're going to see more people bring new bots this way? And I think the other side of the coin of that is, do we think people we're going to start seeing people take established championship bots, bring them down in weight, and then make another piece to it so that they can be a multi-bot. Do we think we're going to start seeing that happen as well? I really wouldn't be shocked if we see uh, lighter links with some sort of multi-bot, to be honest. Yeah. Or like some sort of helper bot, some sort of mini bot. Like, I feel like there's a lot of classes as far as multi-bots go of like mini helper multi but like, I could see Lynx, I could see him definitely, I don't think there's a ton of weight to take out of Lynx, unless you want to like, sacrifice some of what makes Lynx Lynx. But like, I could well, totally see him trying to take out like, a half pound of Lynx, and then 
going up the pound and a half or something like that. But like Luke was just saying about like, he has to come from California with that. Is it worth it? Right. Um, I think that's a big question. And I think that's like, part of that gets down to like one of the hardest questions in this sport of like, I want to get into the sport, but how much money do I have to spend? Because like, is it is the multi-bot problem also going, hey, if you want to be competitive and you want to build a robot, you don't just have to spend the, the $350, $500 to build your bot, which is even like maybe like a kit bot, but you also have to spend another like $100 on a TPU fork bot that is running Antweight stuff if you want to follow the meta. And it's not like every single robot that entered in January was a multi-bot. Like, that's totally not true. That's totally not what happened. But most of the robots that were competitive or were people that have showed up multiple times had some sort of fork, fork bot at this right. point. That's just, it, it's like, it's and really- the final the final was two multi-bots, which if yeah. we want to talk about links here, the other bots, the other side of that rank was two hyperlink. I think he's called yeah. hyperlinks, right? They no, were literally it was two repeater, right? But it was two hyperlinks. It was two. Yeah. I mean, Peter even I believe admitted it himself that that's that's what the design. Um, I, I'm blanking on on his name, um, but that's what he used. He used the design. He he just vamped on the design for hyperlinks, made it lighter, made it two of them, and then put the two of them there. So it's a lighter links, you know, by twice. So I, mean, I don't I know, think it's possible. Too, like I had a conversation with Aaron Hill and talking about multibots and, you know, they brought like the twins to proving grounds. And then he basically came back and said, well, we're just going to wait until we know we can build an effective multibot for NHRL, watch it do well, and then scale it up and keep going as far as like big picture. So I think like, we start to see that meta scale through a lot of different classes because you can get it to be that effective. Right. And I also think that's one of the reasons they're looking at going to events around the country too. It's like, we're not looking at just Norwalk anymore. So they're having events in Ohio and Texas and Atlanta. I think they're having one out in California too. So it's like, you're not gonna have to fly to Norwalk to actually compete. You're gonna be able to do it out in California and still qualify for the world championships. Yep. So I think we're going to see that. I think that's how they're trying to embrace the national brand instead of just being Norwalk now. And they're trying to make it their own thing. So it's like, I think they want that multi-bot. It's, this is going to be Norwalk's thing. So it might not be a horrible thing that it's just for Norwalk it's, or for NHRL. It's, that's what they're looking for. That's their identity at this point. How how damn competitive is that California event gonna be? That California <laughs> event's gonna be crazy. That's yep. gonna be insane. Every single like that's gonna be every single like really high tier California builders going to probably be there. That's gonna be the one to watch this year as far as like out of town ones. Holy damn. That's gonna be good. <laughs> I didn't I love even think you... about that until this moment. Now I'm excited <laughs> for the California one. It's like even the one down in Atlanta, you have all the teams from Florida and South Carolina and stuff like that. You have some big teams down in that, the Southeast part too. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
I think those regional Ohio, ones I mean, are even be insanely competitive. Yeah, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 leaving out Ohio here. I mean, Ohio. We've seen some really competitive bots come out of Ohio. We we have drivers that drive hours and hours and hours from Ohio just to be in NHRL. That it's going to be in their backyard now. I, so, I heard like Jake from Maximizer. <laughs> I heard I heard a rumor that Brazil is going to send 36 teams to Ohio to, uh, to continue the Ohio Brazil rivalry. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, in, in the next step after that is not just regional; it's it's national. It's international. I mean, we, yeah. We, we yeah, we wouldn't want to bring it into Brazil because Brazil's already got its own thing. Oh, no, we're gonna we bring were... it to Brazil, and we're gonna send. No, we're teams absolutely from Ohio. going to bring it to Brazil. <laughs> we're going to Brazil. We're going to the UK. We're going to South Korea. We're going everywhere. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna fight, we're, gonna, we're gonna fight bots behind a chain link fence in somewhere in in. in, in I think it was Sam that we were talking about when we were talking about the different places we would like to see it. And I think Japan was, was the one that I was most excited about when we were just having yeah. a, a robot competition in Japan. That'd be really cool. I don't know. Just, just because I immediately think when I think robots and I think internationally, it's just Japan just pops in my head. So. Now, weirdly, there aren't any combat robots in Japan. They, yeah, they, yeah. they do sumo robots, which I think are, is a really interesting branch of this sport. Yep. And I would love to see us build a sumo league, like honestly, because I feel like sumo is just the perfect on ramp for kids. Um, well, because I mean, you could build a three pound. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, kind of, but I mean, like, I, I, I would want to do like a kids league where you can just fight it on a tabletop. Like, you don't even need to be inside of a cage, which is what sumo is. Yeah. Like, it's just a big circular table, and the first robot to fall off the table like loses. Yeah. Um, but it's it's perfect for kids, um, and I could see a sumo league being just as big, if not bigger, than than our combat league. Um, and sumo's massive in Japan. Like I I love going on YouTube and watching their sumo robots. Like they're it's a really really interesting kind of like branch of the sport. Yeah, that that would be really cool um, to bring. I mean, and, and the upside to that is there's not really damage per se so i mean you're you're putting money into a sumo bot without having to worry about like w when ryan and i brought ours in january our beetles in january i had like at That's least fine. three bots ready to go of parts just because i knew like if it doesn't hold up to what is going to be thrown at it i'm going to need those parts to continue sumo bots not like that sumo bot is if you push it off a table it's just got to survive that drop off the table <laughs> what if we I... add a table to nhrl what <laughs> put a table in the cages no we'll call it, we'll call it a shelf oh i like that <laughs> and then what if we add some like spinny things like uh maybe rotating makos we can call them <laughs> i i dare you thomas to uh, Photoshop a picture of one of our we either cage one or four and Photoshop a shelf into that cage oh, and then put it on the Discord. It. Just wait until the March event. <laughs> oh man! I'm just gonna uh, build it. I, another another part of the sumo thing is even when Jess and I were talking about when we were like planning everything, I was even saying, hey, maybe we should build something like a sumo arena for just like the two of us or like even just our family to build like robots and then we could just practice driving all the time. Yeah, just the driving practice. Sumo. Yeah, 
because I feel like that would be like even a fun thing if we like built it in our parents' basement or something like that and just build like a little arena. Then we could just practice driving all the time. Oh, wait, and then link it back with the multibots. Who's the best multibot driver? The guy who wins the sumo. That's actually the best multibot driver because he yeah. knows how to push people the best. Yeah. You know, we had a, just a, a circle in the ground is all you really need. Like you don't even need a table side. It's <laughs> No. We, we had, uh, Chris, you would appreciate that Ryan and I were talking about multibots after this and we were talking about like possible ideas and one of them was a servo that pushes like a wall for my wedge, pushes a wall up and then it's just two multibots that just squeeze like this and just call it trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> well, they link no. together. My, my original thought was the evil thought of, hey, what if you make two, two pound SMEs and they're just long enough to be as wide as the side of the cage. And you just slowly drive your robots towards the other side of the cage. And, and the, I mean, technically it, it fits within the rules because if the bots are like this, are like perpendicular, they're still within that size for the fit in the rule size. But once they come together like this, you just drive slowly to the other side. <laughs> I, I've always been uh, kicking around this idea in my head of a multibot configuration where you basically have one gigantic, call it a glass cannon, if you will, a vert, a horizontal, but it's a bristle drive. And you have two mini bots that are essentially like small wedges, barely able to drive, but they each have a large vertical on the front of them that happens to be a rubber wheel. And what they can do is with a big face of Velcro on the front, they get behind the large bristle drive, attach themselves to it, and the big rubber wheels actually then become wheels. And now you have like a 45 pound, you know, main weapon bot that has real actual driving ability. And you just basically game the whole thing, and now like they Voltron together to give you. I was just... I was gonna say you have to call you have to call it Voltron. Exactly. No, call uh, it Dev Charge. I can't believe you're giving this idea away for free. I got too right? many bots in in the in the coloring book. No, see, you have to get Mako Fest and Crash Fest, and they have magnets on the back of each other, so they just back into each other, and now you have a four wheel drive Mako Crash Fest. <laughs> Fest And you have to pay royalties to Robert Rund if you do this. Yes. Well, we were joking last episode that that anybody that uses Crash or Fest anywhere in their name has to pay Robert some some kind of royalties. It's a wonderful. Uh, one just think, uh, Joey can skirt that by uh, Crush Fist because he's yeah. definitely not yeah. using Crash or Fest. He's, yeah. he's got around it. He did get around it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so th I mean, that, that new meta, we're definitely going to see a lot more of that. One of the other things I want to talk about is, of course, some of our favorite robots that we saw. I have some of them down here, Power of Friendship, Odin, and Game On. I know Thomas Frank. wanted to talk about Game On. Yeah, Frank. Oh, th thank you, Ashley. Uh, Frank, Power of Friendship, blowing up a battery. He did to Clyde to talk about Bedside, but unfortunately he couldn't make it. So yeah. maybe I'll we'll have Chris talk about it instead. <laughs> Yeah, Clyde sent us a very uh, a very interesting message back saying that he wasn't able to attend. So maybe Chris, you, you could talk about it a so little bit since he did use your table. Town. Since he did use your table to make it. Yeah, he had an, <laughs> he had an appearance ticket tonight for uh, public indecency. So. <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, Clyde had been working really hard on a, on a new bot um, and occupying Lindsay and I's basement for uh, a couple of months with a uh, an, an all new, as he claimed, uh, a meta breaking design, a never seen before weapon. Uh, and it, it, it had not ever been seen before because it was a giant hot glue. He called it a gun uh, or a cannon. I'd say it was more like a syringe um, in, in, in theory. Uh, it, it, act, well, I, you know what? Not even in theory, in practice, it worked. I was, uh, I was really surprised. Um, you know, it was, uh, a, a, a custom smelted copper headed heating element that was powered by three 12 volt diesel glow plugs on the end of a barrel with a, <laughs> like a 400 pound actuator on the back to create essentially a high pressure system inside of a stainless steel barrel that got heated up to like 900 degrees. Uh, and it took Clyde about five tries to get through safety. And uh, <laughs> after he did finally get through safety, uh, we had about, I'd say nine minutes to get into the cage. So our first fight, we were only at about 20% battery. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it, it drove really well. The bot drove really well. It was uh, all custom, like TPU printed, like body, all bolted, you know, together. Sam jumped in last minute and helped us cut some carbon fiber to, you know, keep the weight down. Um, but I think that there is uh, some, some there there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Clyde, uh, with his new recruits that he has, um, slash, uh, maybe prisoners. I don't know. Uh, they, they seemed like they're very interested in continuing, uh, the, the bedside reign of terror. So maybe we'll see. I would love to see summer. return. <laughs> well, I mean, the theming was incredible. Just watching that robot, just drive up to another robot and snot all over it. Was It just, the theming was genius. I have to say that was probably my favorite theming of like the new bots was, was just watching that thing do its thing. <laughs> All right. I, I, I do have one question though about bedside. Yes. Um, so like, so dark side, right. It had the, the, the lightsabers that makes sense. Right. Then there was alternate side cause it had big street sweepers, but bedside, I don't know. I think of like sleeping or bedtime or I don't know. But why like why a, does it have green goo coming out? It, well, the bot is very sick. Uh, and what he, oh. what, he, what he needed was a doctor with good bedside manner. Oh, I see. okay, got it, got it. So okay, the bot the bot is like vomiting all over its opponent. It's sneezing. Yes, it's 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 got snot. Luke, does your is, okay. your, is your vomit green, bright green with glitter in it? Sometimes. Yeah. Wait, yeah. is your snot bright green with glitter in it? Because that's a problem too. After Norwalk, oh. it is. Well, yeah, after Norwalk. I just want to say, like, as someone who, um, you know, watched Clyde uh, dedicate so many hours of his life, I mean, for Clyde, this was a, an, an accomplishment, like, just the focus he had running up to uh, this event. Like, the pure unbridled joy that I felt when I saw the glue coming out even if it was like not quite a cannon even if it's just like a more like a little dribble um the the joy that i felt when i saw it work i like i was crying i was like screaming in the stands being like it's 
you know, bleeping working and hopefully yeah. no children <laughs> were near me. But like I was I was standing right next to you and yeah, that was one were. of my favorite moments of any NHRLs was standing next to you and li listening to your joy of this <laughs> robot going off. It was amazing. The, watching that Mr. Roper fight was just like, <laughs> oh, this is NHRL. This is why I love NHRL. It's like, yeah. this is so good. Literally like the heavens aligned. I feel bad for crack, like that they had to forfeit their first match. But I feel like that is, you know, shade to Mr. Roper. I don't know if they would have won that one otherwise. Um, but like that they were able to win that match against Crack and then that and brought Bedside and Mr. Roper together. Clash, like, of, Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Like, yeah, that that is what is uh, NHRL to me. Um, and man it was so fun and uh i'm pr proud of clyde where wherever he is even though he's i guess in court right now yeah i got a couple of quick points though um so <laughs> this is a real fact clyde's cousin uh jason uh was uh a winner on the discovery channels uh the moonshiners show and so he is a like a professional copper worker and makes stills to make moonshine and he brought all of his stuff over here to the basement and uh Clyde smelted copper pipes from our old plumbing to make the heating element end on, on the end of the barrel. So literally parts of my house, my shower doesn't work upstairs anymore. <laughs> but it was it, like, there were so many people that helped pull the whole thing together. Obviously, uh, I, you know, I jumped in from time to time. <laughs> Lindsay was instrumental in, uh, and, and also was very generous allowing the entire living room and kitchen to be consumed for a couple of weeks leading up to the, to the thing. My cousin Jason uh, was obviously um, a very big help with the copper work, but then there was also some folks from the NHRL community that really came together and helped get the bot uh, in, 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 I'll call it top shape. First of all, Ashley, thank you for reaching out to Tony and Angel uh, and making that happen. Tony and Angel were so happy to jump on the team and it was absolutely a blast uh, hanging out with them and working with them. And it was like, they rolled in Saturday morning and it's like they already knew what to do. They're just like taking the <laughs> bot apart and like, they're like, wow, these are really bad solders. And I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, uh, Sam uh, for, you know, I came out to Norwalk uh, one day and brought, uh, and brought bedside with me and you know he helped me think through some of the big challenges that i had helped me figure out the rc uh of course rob uh was was instrumental in helping me uh you know get the the bots rc uh ready and helping me think through a couple of the really difficult problems so it was a it was a it was a team effort and the team is way bigger than you're technically allowed to have but it's what it's what allow us to have full snot emissions uh in, in the box in january and that was that was awesome I mean, Ryan and I have to give the same kind of thanks to, I mean, yeah. Kevin and Team Pandemonium. Yeah. Uh, Kevin did the same thing. At one point, I was trying to get a power board to work, and he looked at it and he went, no, you didn't put enough solder on it. And he had, you know, and I've been soldering for a while. All of my solder worked, but apparently for that one thing, I didn't put enough solder on it. So he had to fix my soldering there. <clears throat> he helped fix an issue in my controller. And I mean, the same thing with Sam. Sam cut the carbon fiber and UHMW for both of our bots. So it's just amazing community. We love all of them, everyone. NHRL is just amazing. 
Uh, Corey was our sensei the whole time. Yes. How could I not? Uh, I mean, I've thanked Corey a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, I know I reached out to both Seth and Peter about their products and everything like that. And both of them help out all the time. Peter was like, I was telling him, but because my robot, I decided to go with the same way that the Peter bar is powered with the upside down belt. And he helped me with that. He helped me tell, tell me, he like showed me how to do it as far as like how he figured out the belt length and everything like that. Like he was perfectly willing to help me where he didn't just go, oh, that's not actually my product. I'm not gonna help you. Like Peter, help, perfectly happy to help anybody. Uh, and so Seth is too. Anybody in the community. That's like one of the best parts of being a builder in this community is that you can literally go on the Discord or contact like a lot of people and just go, hey, I'm having this problem. I know you've had this problem before or you are an expert in this way, what do I do? And they will help you. They will joke with you about it. They will be perfectly happy. And they will, once you show them that your bot is working and that their advice helped, they will be happy for you. Yep. It's so cool. It is the one of the best parts of this community. It's so, so cool. So we're, we're, we're going to get to a little bit of... Um, promotional material on them when we talk about some of the new things coming up and, and how that's going to affect um, the uh, the meta and everything, uh, especially for threes. But I just wanted to touch on the other ones that we had. Power of Friendship, Kokoto's amazing bots. You know, I, I remember that he said, you know, he didn't know how much they were actually going to do, how well they were going to work. They caused a battery fire. You know, <laughs> just, just an amazing innovation. I just love that. I want to see him push forward with that. Odin, uh, brought to us by I don't remember his name. The Data I'm, Lich. Yeah, the Data Lich. But I was trying to actually find his real name. I know his he real likes name going. Is the Data Lich. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Nail Gun Bot was amazing to see. Yeah. And then Thomas, I know you were very excited for Game On. If you want to talk about Game On for a second. Yes. Um, Game On finally returned in full walking configuration. Uh, when Game Over showed up. Uh, its first event, it had a roller on the bottom, and they were told that they can't have that. So they were able to upgrade the strength of their servos. Their TPU was actually printed well. And then Friday night, their computer died. The Raspberry Pi just didn't do the thing that was needed to do. So, so Jay was like freaking out. I was like going over there like, do you have by any chance have a micro SD card reader? So I happened to pull one out of my bag. Four hours later, with the help of a couple people, like they were using our monitors at the pit, te uh, pit desk as debugging tools. So I got that all working. Uh, uh, the only match I actually saw it in was one of the grudges that I was running versus Frank and uh, Pause. And one of the legs was not working for that match, but it was moving significantly better than the previous event. And uh, I'm guessing that whenever they bring it back, it should be working even better. I just hope it doesn't. Vertical. It's wow. such a beautiful robot. I just love the look it of it. Very good. Also, the the cardboard covers that cover up all the electronics that was done on the plane on the flight over. Oh, I love that. Very cool. Hey, listeners, I'll get you back to the episode in a minute. But first, I want to talk to you about something important. 
You have probably heard us talk about the robot merch we are wearing or seen teams at NHRL with some amazingly designed shirts and gear and said to yourself, wow, I would really love one of those. Well, you are in luck because a majority of the merchandise you are seeing is being made by Robots Ruin My Life, which is owned and operated by friend of the show, Anthony D'Ambrosio. This is a merchandise and customization shop specializing in robot combat team gear. Ever wanted to get your hands on a Ripperoni t-shirt or a Star Child jacket? Well, head on over to RobotsRuinMyLife.com today. Again, that's RobotsRuinMyLife.com for all of your BattleBots and NHRL merchandise. Check it out and let us know what team apparel you love to see in the comments. Okay, back to the episode! And, you know, speaking about our weapon configurations, Ryan used uh, the Peter Bar configuration, but I used a hub motor because that's what Corey uses and that's what Corey helped me design. Um, so I use a hub motor. Ryan, I know you wanted to touch on hub motors being more prevalent in the higher weight classes because it's something that we see in the threes a lot. Oh, but... I, I, I wanted to put a note that, that I think that's one of the new metas that's going to show up. I mean, that definitely hub motors are going to start showing up more and more in the higher weight classes. Corey kind of proved that they can work pretty well. Uh, I think that's And then Zoe. Zoe. And too. Zoe did too. Yeah. 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 I mean, like hub motors are always a problem in that when you put stress on your weapon, which is every single time you use the weapon for its, its actual purpose. Intended you're, purpose. <laughs> you're actually damaging your motor at the same time. And a lot of us are using uh, motors that are not meant for this at all. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like hub motors are really the uh, the other new meta going transitioning into that is like the new products that are coming out. Seth is now bringing out a hub motor that you could just buy. You could just buy a hub motor now. Yep. I think that's... Full installed hub, yeah. That's game-changing. That yep. is the definition of game-changing, I think. That is a product that is going to show up exponentially throughout the year. I, I mean, think. Kevin literally ran over and bought one directly from him as yeah. soon as he could, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think... And also, he is now releasing new Pro Drives... Uh, pro version of his uh, brush drives, which I'm sure is going to show up because everybody's going to want a slightly more powerful version of the Just Cause drive that a lot of people are already using. Yep. And another product that was just released is the dual brushless drive by Peter from Repeat Robotics. Uh, already, as soon as he announced that, and as soon as uh, Owen was like, oh yeah, you know my bots that have been working the past several events? They've been driven by that. Everybody instantly went, okay, this is a solid product and how can I use this in my robot? How does it work? I think those are gonna be in a lot of robots this year. And the last new product is Jake's Cake, which if anybody else hasn't seen Jake's Cake hey. announcement, video nope. it is amazing it is one of the best products like release videos because i really enjoy his video editing but he jake has now released his own power switch because he basically decided 
you know what, I don't like the power switches that everybody has been using. I'm gonna build my own. So he built his own, he tested it for specifically his uses and he is now releasing it as his first robot product on the uh, on his store besides his merch. Right. Um, I mean, Reaper did so well that it's definitely going to come back with innovations. And one of those innovations is going to be integrating Seth's hub motor into it. Because one of the things that Corey helped me do, like you were saying, a hub motor gets a lot of stress when the weapon hits something. And the way that he got around that is creating a sheath that goes between the weapon and the motor and absorbs all of that. And he helped me design that. And I mean, Ryan saw when I was fighting Seth or even when I was fighting um, Terminus, I think was the one that I, I just got into a corner and almost blew up their battery because I like blew up the side of their butt. But my weapon never stopped spinning. I, I hit and I hit and I kept on hitting and it never stopped spinning. Um, that motor was perfect. And when I took it apart, there was no damage on that motor. That motor was still working exactly how it was supposed to. I went weapon on weapon with Seth and that motor was fine. My weapon never stopped spinning. So it just goes to show you if you have the correct design, hub motors are just amazing. So, and they're much easier. Ryan had so many issues trying to get that belt driven weapon to spin. And mine was literally put the sheath on, put the, the, the blade on, bolt it all together. Oh, look, it works. Yeah, I think belts are pretty much done for a lot in a lot because it's too many little things can go wrong. I definitely agree. Um, but I am uh, looking forward to those products making the sport. I mean, that that's just how this always works is innovation, new things coming out, making things easier to to make new bots and make things work better. Um, and it's just going to make it. I don't want to call it deadly, but it's going to make it more interesting sport to watch. I think the uh, easier you make the bots so. to build, the more people can yeah. get into it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, and again, the innovations in kit bots, um, we saw Peter bars. Peter had Ashley. How many, how many different versions of the uh, Peter kit did he bring? I forget. I think it was like seven different iterations at one point. Like iteration. Yeah. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm but I'm pretty I, sure iteration was one of those. Sorry, I had my I had my mic off because the rabbit is eating a tube right now and she's very loud. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, so the Peter kit. Um, I mean, we've see, we, we have talked about how much Seth has been uh, doing as far as that, and he has the SSP kits. Who knows how those are going to go? Um, now that he has this hub mounted motor, an SSP kit with a vertical weapon as a kit, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. One of the things I also wanted to talk about um, just really quickly, just because we have you guys on, um, I just wanted to ask uh, Lindsay, Chris, and Luke um, a couple of questions because you guys are our guests on the podcast and oh we love having you here. They're really simple questions. It, Ashley, Ashley knows, everyone knows, and Ashley has made fun of me for this before, but uh, when I get into question making, apparently I should be writing interview questions for jobs because when I write questions, so they're, they, they tend to be very hard to answer. Um, <laughs> I swear, these are very simple. <laughs> I'm gonna answer all three of your questions right now. Seven. Lincoln, Nebraska, and the Coriolis effect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, wrong. That kind of changes a lot. Is... 
Uh, well, the first one, I, what got you guys into combat robotics? Because I'm not sure if I've ever heard the story about how you guys got into this sport, what brought you to NHRL, you know, that kind of stuff. So whoever wants to answer, what got you into combat robotics? What got you to where you are now? Luke, we haven't heard from you in a bit. I'll, I'll open it up to you if you want to start. Heck yeah, brother. Um, <laughs> Chris and Lindsay got me into combat robotics. Okay. Um, so yeah, what was this? Season three? What did you say, guys? Season three. Yeah, about, um, about six years. So, ago. so Chris, Chris, uh, Chris is my brother-in-law. Lindsay's my sister-in-law. Uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm dating Chris's sister. I don't know how I feel like I always have to, <laughs> to preface this. Um, and so, you know, Chris, Chris, and Lindsay, you know, coming over to the house a lot for for dinner and dinner parties and just hanging out and. For like for like weeks, they're like, "Oh my God, BattleBots season three! It's incredible! You have to watch it!" Right? And I had never seen BattleBots before, and um, they were like, "It's our favorite show! It's so incredible! Like you, you won't even believe it! You have to see it!" Right? So uh, I caught the uh, the round of sixteen, I think, for for season three, and like so there's only two episodes left of the season, and I was just like immediately hooked. I was like, "Oh my God, this is..." amazing like this is incredible i can't believe this show is on tv right and then i caught the cut the finals the following thursday and i was just like oh this is amazing i'm, I'm on the BattleBots train and they, they had been watching BattleBots like a whole lot longer but um we like during the off season like we were talking like the three of us about possibly starting a podcast of some sort and we're going through all these different concepts you know like we were thinking like um, a financial advice podcast. We were thinking like um, maybe a uh, like a sexual kinks podcast. And uh, somebody suggested BattleBots. And I was like, oh my god, that's a really good idea too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke, we should do that. I forgot to put the extra bit of uh, the extra little, uh, let's call it icing on that on that cake. <laughs> it was it was a sexual kink podcast hosted by people. That are so vanilla. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I seeing it through a vanilla scented lens. Yeah, no, I, I, I learn about a new kink like once a year, and I'm like, I had people do that. Oh wow. Okay. No, he doesn't learn about one. He goes to a convention for one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like, I like, I, I, I read about it on Wikipedia, and I'm just like, oh my god, wow, Luke, jeez. Um, just wait till you see what happens in Cage Four. <laughs> so, so you um, you don't want to do that because that's actually what killed our last podcast. Our last trio, our last three episodes were about sexual kinks. And then the oh, podcast good. died. Do so, yeah. Good. Yeah, it died good. hard. Made a good it died really hard. It was. It was. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so so we we started the we started our our podcast and like probably fast forward like a year. Um, into it we were going to like local events so like we went to mass destruction we went to motorama we went to the franklin institute event um we were just basically driving all all up and down the east coast like trying to catch as many local events as we could and we went to norwalk a couple times back when it was at 50 day street back when it was like literally just like 10 competitors and no pits you could just walk around um <clears throat> this is like where we where we saw saw jameson go for the first time you know like oh my god it's like he's in the flesh he's a real person you know um <laughs> it's it's where we like like we met ricky like in person for the first time and austin was just like cycling through announcers like he just couldn't find announcers that like were 
dependable because like they were all builders they all wanted to compete at his event like they didn't want to announce for it and um so he like put out a job listing like i'm looking for announcers um willing to pay and kyle went and did the first show and then he brought me in for the second one so like we did the finals together like that was literally my first time announcing for for nhrl which was just insane um and then like probably by that third event Chris and Lindsay joined um and so we've been doing announcing like we've announced basically every single event at 165 water street um so like all through covid all through like um the, the like super dark events where there were nobody in the audience you know um we just kind of <laughs> we were we, we've been there for the for the whole time so it's pretty pretty cool well you guys you guys are the reason why we got into NHRL because we we've been watching BattleBots kind of similar similarly since the reboot started. Like Chris and Lindsay's house? No, well, <laughs> we, we watch it all. We watch it all as a family, like twelve people watching the episode of BattleBots every Sunday. Yeah, uh, and I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I found your guys' podcast. And I was listening to several episodes and then you guys were like, oh, and there's an event coming up and we're announcing in Norwalk, Connecticut. I was like, did I just hear Connecticut? <laughs> what? And then I texted Justin. I'm like, we're going to watch Robot Combat live. I am excited. We're doing it. And we went to the first event and I was geeking out because I was seeing you guys and I was like, I listen to their their podcast every single week, and oh, they're just announcing here, and it's amazing. And then we have attended every single NHRL since that first time, either yeah. as first as spectators, then as builders, and then as working, and now as builders, and then back to working again. <laughs> and I mean, it's become a huge part of our lives. And yeah. now we have the now we're starting this podcast. And that was because of you guys. So I guess it all goes back to you guys deciding to watch BattleBots back then. It's a genesis of also us. <laughs> the oh. Genesis event. <laughs> I I feel goosebumps oh right now. God. That is like so cool. Yeah. I um it's funny, it's like I <laughs> I say this all the time. We only get like 600 listeners per episode. And I swear to God, I've met every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) There, like, there's so many people like in the building who are like, yeah, you know, I built my robot because I heard about this event. I'm just like, well, where'd you hear about it? Like, oh, on your your, your show. I'm like, oh my God, I collected another. It's 591 now, you know? (laughs) You're like a Pokemon trainer, but for NHRL (laughs) bots. Yeah. Yeah, I so, got I gotta get you the Ash Ketchum like red and white hat, but with the <laughs> NHRL logo now. You should get like yeah. a little Android tablet that looks like a Pokédex, and just have a page <laughs> for each builder. So whenever you need to like answer a question about them on stream or on your podcast, just whip it open to the page, read off their data. <laughs> Let me open my builder decks. <laughs> I I mean, I, okay, so no joke, we do have a builder decks. Really? Well, yo. <laughs> But yeah. is it like in Pokédex form? It's okay. So we started building this like three years ago, and we have every single builder who's competed in the last three years, and like where they're from. 
the names of all of their robots and all of their fun facts that they've submitted through like the builder intake form, plus all the fun facts that we learn when we go around and talk to people in the pits. So we've got Ashley's data, we've got oh. Ryan and Justin's data. <laughs> Thomas, oh, no. we've got your data. Oh, no. All right. They're like the FBI. I don't want to be known. Yep. Tony, you're the only one free. <laughs> it's it's really awkward well because it's it's a secret it's a secret deck so like we we only share it with like our fellow announcers so like when somebody like adam joins the announcing desk we go oh here's here's your link and then he can go and read all of our notes about him you know <laughs> oh no yeah yeah i think that's the kind of thing i don't want to read about myself you have some weird yeah yeah, stuff yeah. okay good i'm gonna add that to your uh to your to your decks and thomas does Thomas. not want to read it Hey, do you have do you have our typings too? Do you have do you have what type we are? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. What, what Th Thomas is dark and psychic. <laughs> we're supposed to tell them that. Now it's in their decks. <laughs> I think that's one of the things though that like um, made our podcast really great from the get go was that like Luke joining with his journalism background uh, and as like a reporter. He is really, really good at like getting information, compiling it, organizing it, reporting on it. And so I think like from the get go, when we started our podcast, it was like, we don't want to just kind of like give our opinions on like, you know, these bots. Cause there were, there were a couple things out there at the time. There wasn't a ton of like podcast uh material on battle bots there was like you know youtube channels and stuff but a lot of it was like that robot sucks that builder sucks <laughs> and like when we came on and i think a lot has to do with luke's approach to just like the reporting and journalism aspect was like we wanted to give builders more of a light to share about themselves because um like pri prior i remember literally and i've, I've told this story before but like I remember looking Zoe Stevenson up on LinkedIn because there was no information about her to learn about like who this person behind Chomp was, like how did she get so cool, what is her experience, what's her background. The only thing I could do to learn about her was like looking at her LinkedIn like a freaking stalker and being like, uh oh, <laughs> how do I hide that like it that I viewed your profile because I look creepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so it was like, yeah, really just about how to give um, these people who are pretty inherently interesting, like a platform to share about themselves. Um, so I just wanted to give that shout out to Luke uh, for uh, like going back to the database thing. Like, I think that's kind of at the heart of why the podcast, I think, is uh, uh, resonates is because um, I don't know. He spends a lot of time doing a lot of research. Yeah. I've said it a hundred times. No. Luke tells my story better than anyone. So, like, I'm so appreciative, of course, of everything that you guys do. Yeah. Just just know that whenever we're having a conversation, just, uh, you know, it's being recorded somewhere. Okay? So, you know. <laughs> Don't don't tell me anything that you don't want to go into the player decks, all right? Well, Luke, you just, uh, just wait until you come across my builder decks. I've got all the information. It's the announcer deck, Thomas. Good, good, good. Literally the only it's entry. Only Thomas's Thomas. only entry. It's Thomas. Thomas. This isn't even my real name. All right. Oh, like, I know. Literally, Chris and Lindsay have no idea who no, I am. I just like, say that to I keep up a... appearances. I. 
I'm all, all I know is that you know all they know is that I'm from California, but there's a lot of people in California. I have right. all 312 years of your life history in this book. <laughs> it's actually a flip book with lots of pictures. <laughs> uh, so Luke is a Highlander. So Lindsay, I just grabbed this out of the case because I have all of my poker chips in the case. The first or second event Justin and I went to, I got. <gasps> that from you. Oh my god! Whoa. Ryan, describe, I'm literally gonna start crying. Describe what you are showing because this is I, an audio I, medium, right? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am showing the Behind the Bots 2021 poker chip that I got. I also got a sticker too, but I, I got this one. This was in this is in my stack of poker chips that I got from Lindsay the first or second time we went to NHRL. And I was like, hey, you said that you might have merch on the podcast. Can I have some? And you handed this to me. So, yeah. I love that we have been saying we might have merch for the podcast for nearly (laughs) five years now. (laughs) Um, But that's the only thing that we have ever created. I'm so, it's so sweet that you still have that and remember it. It almost didn't come to be because we didn't order the poker chips until like right before we went. Well, only only Luke went to Vegas um, for filming. And I remember ordering them and then like I never got a confirmation. I was like, did it go through? Did it not go through? Um, And I think they showed up like the day before Luke left. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, through all of that, it ended up in your hands. <laughs> uh, who's been some of your favorite people to interview as far as like builders and, and stuff like that? Do you, do you guys have some like memorable ones that have, that stick out? I mean, I, I'm going to jump back to the early days. And one of the, one of the things that like, we really didn't talk about when, you know, we said like why we got into this, I think it was. Once we started to like look at the landscape of the builders behind uh, combat robotics, behind the bots, behind the bots, you could say <laughs> some might say, uh, you know, it was obvious that there was a, a a pretty fantastic diversity of backgrounds, skill sets, uh, everyone from like you know art builders to high precision builders to you know, like, you know, the, the Pennsylvania contingent who know welding, like uh, they could do it blindfold because they have to do a blindfold because they've been looking at the spark too long. But like <laughs> there were all these different people from all these different backgrounds and everyone had a unique story. And it's not just like something that you just jump into one day. Combat robotics is very, it's very niche. It's very weird, right? And you got to have a little bit of that weirdness in you. But that weirdness exists in every community whether you're working on like a NASA lander or you are working on a a John Deere tractor. Uh, And that was what was so fascinating. And so like we've talked to so many different types of builders that have come from completely different backgrounds and all had a unique story to tell. One of the early ones that we had um, was the builder. He was like a 90 year old dentist. He was a late eighties dentist from Southern California. His name was Bob Girardi, and he had built Daisy Cutter, uh, which was on only one season of BattleBots <laughs> five years ago, and then accidentally uh, recorded a bunch of stuff in the pits and then uploaded it to like uh, you know YouTube, which you're not allowed to do. Violated the NDA, and a bunch of people got really upset with him. But you know what? It is a is a 
80 something year old dentist from Southern California. He doesn't know. <laughs> he might have butt dialed it for all I know. But so like he had like a really interesting story where, yeah, he was a dentist and, and but he had also like custom designed carburetors and all sorts of interesting things for like drag race cars. And one of the things that was fascinating about Daisy Cutter, a lot of people don't realize this, everyone in the audience had to have like earplugs because it was like the loudest robot that had ever been at BattleBots because he designed a custom uh, negative air pressure like uh, device that would essentially go into the bottom of like a dragster that would suck the air out from underneath the bot, creating a low pressure uh, atmosphere underneath the bot. Basically, so you don't need like magnets or anything like that, but so that he could have like such incredible, uh, you know, traction uh, and and win the ground game. Now, did the bot work or perform well? N not really, but it was just a really cool <laughs> thing to hear about. Well, someone who builds like drag racing cars is like taking their practical knowledge of building drag racing cars and putting it into a heavyweight robot. And that was just like, that was so fascinating. And it was like only like our, it was probably in our first five episodes. And I was just like, you know, guys, I think we actually have something here. If we can keep getting these kinds of people on the show and talk to them. And uh, that was, uh, that was one of my first favorite memories of the podcast. Fun fact about uh, Bob Girardi is he is uh, still the only person uh, to have uh, mailed us money. <laughs> <laughs> interviewing him he uh sent luke uh i forget how much luke you probably remember uh, 200 bucks he mailed, oh, wow. he mailed us a check for 200 dollars. it was like thank you so much for interviewing me that was so nice and he was like go buy some snacks <laughs> that is amazing it was the classiest thing ever. It was so classy. Um, and you know, for future reference, if uh, we are interviewing you, if you're out there listening, <laughs> one day we still accept money. Except to this to this day, our oh, podcast no. has earned two hundred dollars. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, I mean, look look at those innovations continue to this day. Look at um, uh, Jim Casmer. And um, why can't I think of his name uh, with Yoshimi? Um, just the AI stuff that exists oh, nowadays. Gannon. <laughs> Joey Gannon. Just the AI that they're throwing into that because that's what they do for work. So they've taken that and they're putting that into robots. And it's just amazing stuff to see. So that's really um, cool. Justin, yep. Justin, do you allow profanity on this show or are we keeping it family friendly? Uh, I can bleep it out if you really want no, to. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it, this will have less impact. But uh, like just to like piggyback on what Chris said. I mean, like every combat robotics builder, very different, but the one thing that unites them all, unites basically like everyone on this show and everybody who's listening is like, they really care about their life. You know, like you don't just accidentally build a combat robot. Like you have <laughs> to be pretty dedicated to it and you've got to care. And like that, like caring about your just like experience instantly makes you a really interesting person, I think. So like, I, I've never once met a boring combat robotics builder. Like every single person I've met ever has that same thing. Doesn't matter who you are, but like you care about your experience, which I think is so, so cool. To steal Lindsay's answer, I, my favorite <laughs> interview was Zoe, Zoe Stevenson and, and Yasha Little. They are, 
So, like, I don't know. This is, like, my favorite BattleBots fact. You guys probably know this already. Um, but, like, Zoe, Yasha, Matt, <laughs> uh, Matt Vasquez, the Bot Whisperer, so Pete Abramson, um, and um, Xander Rose from Bronco. They all work together, and they are working on the 10,000-year clock that um, is being built in Jeff Bezos' mountain in Texas. So if that, uh, I don't know, is shocking to you, go look up the 10,000-year clock. It's like an incredible project. And on our, on our episode with Zoe and Yasha, they talked a lot about the clock, which is just this like marvel of engineering. It's like this part art project, part engineering like challenge. Um, part like statement to humanity, part like pseudo cultish religion. I don't know. It's really interesting. (laughs) Um, And like the, like Zoe and Yash are just amazing. So uh, yeah, they, they, they had a just fantastic conversation. Yeah. Good. Very cool. Um, And for my favorite, I think uh, is actually, I mean, talking to Zoe and them was great, but I think uh, anytime we have Jen Herkenroder on, is always my favorite because I think she is probably the coolest person (laughs) that I've ever (laughs) met. And um, every time we learn more and more about her background, her story, her experience, it's like, how does one person fit so much like skill and experience and knowledge into like one, uh, she's young. So like into a short, lifetime so far Mm. it's so inspiring and like she had a like a viral moment when open sauce like shared part of her uh oh my gosh panel discussion (laughs) answer about like how she was a homeless teenager and like built herself up and like you know really had to scrounge to make things work and i'm just like man and she did it in a way that was like not self-congratulatory but like inspiring and like made you really want to be better yeah and i think she has such a a way about her and like i'm hoping uh you know that hijinks can continue to show up on battle bots because i think um i don't know like the whole team is so fantastic but jen is just so incredible and also uh i'm like too scared to talk to her when i see her at events in real life so the podcast (laughs) (laughs) gives me an excuse to hang out with her well now you got for christmas a a hijinks wheel yeah chris got me part of hijinks for christmas so uh yeah she's at moto (laughs) you want to talk to her before we move on to one other question i I just want to say um also love on the podcast over the years, obviously some of our, uh, they're, they're like in the Tom Hanks club for SNL, yeah. uh, but like we have, obviously Chad uh, is, you know, phenomenal whenever he's on the podcast. Uh, love having Sam on the podcast. He is just an absolute delight. Love, love having Pete Abramson on, on the yeah. podcast. He's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. But there's one other episode that just came to my mind that I think is like one of the craziest roller coasters ever. We just randomly reached out to Matt Orlin from oh, Megabots. Yeah. If you remember Megabots, the giant, massive yeah. robot fight that, you know, was what, several years ago now. Uh, you know, that was an like, excellent hey, episode, by the way. Yeah. Do you want to just come on our podcast and talk about what happened with Megabots? And he's just like, yeah, okay, no problem. And like, we we're like, I don't think he's actually going to show up. And then he showed up and he talked to us for like an hour and 45 minutes and just 
laid it all out. That was wild. You want to know everything that happened at Megabots. You listened to that episode because he does not pull any punches. He's just like, yep, yep, that didn't work. Yep, that broke down every five minutes. Yep, that was fake. Okay, but the thing that was the wildest was like how open he was about completely wasting everybody's money that had invested in him. <laughs> And like he had no qualms being like, yeah, we raised five million dollars and uh, basically, you know, through my mismanagement, like it all went away. And I'm like, oh my god, why? What is? Are you like okay? Is this are, like you're sharing was so like, much at the same time? Like he had like real like not super villain energy, but just some kind yeah. of like like tiger energy that was just like. He's either going to destroy or save the world. I don't know which. Maybe but both. One or the other. He became a landlord, so. <laughs> so destroy. It is. Okay. <laughs> I love that we have the same thought about that. <laughs> um, so I, I have two more questions. Uh, the first one is, what is it like going to BattleBots and actually experiencing that? Uh, Luke was there first. Uh, I think he beat us to the punch, um, but we, I think we debuted all in the same year, right? Or was he that you were there two years, Luke? He was there two yes. Years. Yeah. Go, going on, on like a press pass is like uh, the best experience. So if you can do that, you should do that. You know, reach out to Greg and Trey, you know, um, as podcasters and uh, and get like a one day press pass. Fantastic. Oh, no, we um, figured out why we're doing the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. I, I will say a little caveat. Uh, Lindsay and I, uh, as part of Team Copperhead and, and Luke, as part of Team Shredded, had slightly different experiences uh, <laughs> as far as what it was like to be at BattleBots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Luke, I don't know. Um, uh, Luke, tell about your uh, Airbnb experience. Okay. So, so we, uh, so as part of Team Shredit, and just, I'm going to, I'm going to just preface all of this by saying that I absolutely love Evan Arias to death, ride or die. Like, um, he, I will, I will go into battle with that man. Like, I, you know, I'll, go under his flag literally any day of the week for the rest of my life all right um no shade at all to the team but we stayed in the worst airbnb <laughs> in las vegas like we were driving further and further and further away from the battle box until literally we were on the edge of the desert where like um you know behind the house it was just nothing you know um <laughs> Like we we went to a neighborhood that was like forgotten by the police. Like there were like uh, cars that had their tires stolen, and then like it looked like the car caught on fire, and they're just rotting like on on a normal street. Um, nobody had lawns. Like um, it was just uh, you know rocks uh, in their front yard and just trash. Um, it was uh, it was so bleak. It was dystopian. Um, the inside of the house was even worse. Um, it was like uh, they had just jammed as many beds into every flat surface as you possibly could uh, like find. There was no toilet paper anywhere inside of the house. Um, like it was like there were no towels. Uh, there was there no, no like sheets. There were no sheets or or blankets. Okay. 
like literally our first job was to go out and like get blankets i don't know it was just like like we were buying towels it was it was like so so bad all right and and, and we ran out of beds because like we were all staying in the same like two bedroom like airbnb so we had to go out and like buy blow up mattresses for the for the shores um which was just like awful so father son sleeping on air mattresses in like the living room um and i don't know like if you've ever spent like two weeks with 10 fully grown men it is <laughs> just the like it's the most disgusting experience ever like uh, all of the towels are wet you're like i think this is my towel no i don't know maybe someone else used it i don't know like you know you, you get into the shower there's just hair all over the place and every shower that you take is cold you know um so anyway that that was that was our housing experience and um I, I personally spent like four days at BattleBots at the leather store at the other end of Las Vegas, like literally driving past the BattleBox the other direction all the way out into the desert to go to the leather store so that I could um, like baby, basically babysit a, uh, a leather sew, sew seamstress and get all of our, our patches done in time for our first match on TV. So it was like, it was a very long days like i would like fall asleep with my shoes on you know like it was just one of those kinds of things so yeah i, I know a lot more about like the leather subculture in las vegas and i i can also um tell you which residential neighborhoods to uh to avoid uh, if you're thinking about buying um and yeah i actually was at the battle box and the tent like very little uh so the shredded experience was uh harried i would say so then, yeah, I guess the other side of that coin is Lindsay and I, we were on Team Copperhead, uh, a, a team that um, had just uh, wonderful, happy, uh, charismatic people. We stayed at a hotel that had all of the luxuries that you could possibly want, including three restaurants that were open. Like towels? Oh, oh, they would come take my, my towel, like before I even had a chance to drop it on the floor. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, we were on Copperhead, which is a robot that hasn't broken once in like five years. So the bot was just ready to go. And so, uh, you know, we had a pit with a couch in it and uh, it was just a wonderful time. It was so great. <laughs> yeah, those are vastly different experiences. You're all right. <laughs> I agree with that. Our main job was just, uh, you know, figuring out the tunnel entrances uh, for each match. And um, that was really super fun. <laughs> um, and I think it gave the, it like well represented the team's personality and like hopefully, you know, translated to TV. Because famously, Copperhead, despite being a very powerful hitter, and a very reliable robot does not get a lot of love um, from the producers or even really like the fans. Um, you know, it, we were on a chair all season. Like the producers never came over to Luke Quintal to be like, hey, let's do an interview with you. You know, it's like, it didn't matter what we were doing. And it seems like, you know, in years past, it's, it's kind of similar. So our goal was to try and make Copperhead, um, you know, Ellie, like stand out to the producers so that we can get some love but i think that ultimately the bot performed in a way that like you um it was undeniable especially you know that fight against riptide 
um, which it feels so fun being able to say that now because having to sit <laughs> on that for months was really painful. Um, <laughs> that, but we, Chris and I actually weren't there for the filming of that one, which is uh, probably, I don't like get FOMO a lot. I, I love to miss out on things. Um, but like that is something that I actually have FOMO over because um, uh, that was just a brilliant uh performance um but yeah it was it was fun to try and like develop a personality brand around a robot that already performs so well cool. and obviously being there was surreal like oh my god yeah i've only been a fan since the reboot but chris has been a fan since he was a child so like the comedy central era yeah <laughs> ziggo my beloved oh yeah <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, watching Nightmare just tear into people. Yeah. There is VHS tapes somewhere of <laughs> me and my cousin's homemade uh, BattleBot stuff when we would build combat robotics out of Lego Mindstorms and then even pre-Lego Mindstorms when it was, we would go to P&T Surplus and buy little tiny, uh, you know, uh, brushed motors and hot glue them into <laughs> our Lego. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Lord knows. Uh, they're probably really cringy to watch now, but if I can find them, my God. Uh, uh, okay, so <clears throat> the final question I have before we get to our brand new segment that we're doing this time is uh, if you guys built a bot, what would it look like and what kind of weapon would it have? Um, any weight class, just come up with a bot. Like, uh, I, I know you guys helped Clyde with, with that bot and you've done other bots in the past. Um, I don't know, so, may so maybe this is more for Luke Luke, if, if you could build a bot and bring a bot, what would it look like? All right, good. I want to build a bot. I want to bring it to the Hartford events. So it's going to be an ant weight. Do it. And I want to build a big rubber wheel on the front of a robot. So instead of a spinner, it's got a huge sticky rubber wheel um, that just launches opponents and launches itself up against the, uh, the cage. So just maximum chaos and uh, kind of breaking breaking the opponent before I, I break, ideally. So is it going to be like a mouse glue trap where it's like really adhesive or? Like a sticky, like like a really tacky wheel. So like not not like a hard rubber wheel, but like a really soft gummy wheel. You don't want the robot to actually wheel. to it. No, I, I just want to, I want to grab pieces of my mm -hmm. opponent and, and launch them into the, uh, into the, the glass. So, fun fact, uh, one of the original ideas when we were first coming up with Harvester was taking a sander, a belt sander, and putting it on wheels and aiming it towards bots. So you would literally hit the bot and they would go flying backwards over you. So it's like an active wedge. That was one of our original ideas. I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Luke, have you, have you watched any of Maker Battles or anything like that? I have been to Maker Battles, okay. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Ashley's face. I love it. I, yeah. I wish people could see Ashley's face. Ashley feels so indignant right now. She's Man. like, what? No, I was what are you one, talking about? I wasn't sure if you've been yet. But it's all, I, was going, I was about to compliment and say, like, Ashley is an amazing announcer. <laughs> Gilmer. Yeah. And it's, Ashley's an incredible yeah. announcer. And so, Ashley, like... If, if we could split you in half, like, I mean, I'd love to, you know, have you announce on the desk. I mean, I think you'd be great at NHRL. Just like near the um, end of the day, just like eight o'clock, just pour it down there for a bit. Luke, yeah. Luke, you can't steal our Ashley. Yeah, you, you can't. 
You can't steal her a pit, Mom. Sorry. No, do it, do it, do it. I want to see her on the TV. She does not do good sitting at a desk. So announcing is probably not going to be good for Ashley. No, it's going to be perfect. I need to see the chaos. Ashley be fantastic at it. Like I think we we we've got to do we gotta we gotta do at least one event where Ashley's calling NHL for a couple hours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How do I get on this? At desk? least just a little bit. <laughs> Luke, let's, uh, Luke, let's uh, aim for Thomas, July. Let's aim yeah, for Thomas, July. You you could you yeah you, you got to be more like Ashley so you, you can get on the desk. Yeah. Well, you, you can't have her in April because she's gonna have to be helping Ryan in April since I won't be there. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that was awesome. Those are all the ha- questions that I had. So we actually have a, a new thing. Uh, so I don't know if you guys listened to our last episode, but we had a bunch of, we had 12 builders uh, call in and give us some information. So we are going to, since that was so awesome and we love that so much, and uh, just like Behind the Bots, one of our core focuses here is focusing on the builders and telling the builders stories. Uh, so we wanted to continue that. So to replace the hot takes section that we had at the end that wasn't really working, uh, we are introducing community transmissions. Uh, so we have uh, five audio clips from builders telling us how they did in January. And we're just going to play them really quick and react to them and see what the builders have to say. Uh, but the first one is from Julian the creator of MakoFest, uh, telling us about how MakoFest did. Hey gang, it's Julian, the builder of MakoFest here. In my first match, I got a pretty quick tap out and I was able to get behind Reflex and get a very deep cut. In my second match, I went up against Nate with Drumderchild, which I was so freaking excited about, but um, I got around him early, but after landing a, a subpar shot, my robot basically died. Not sure what happened exactly there. It's possible I was just nervous and didn't tighten my power switch enough because I got back into the pits and everything worked properly. Uh, hopefully I get a chance to give Nate a better matchup if we meet again, because uh, we all love Nate, but uh, I would love to beat him too. <laughs> uh, after that, I faced Cupcake and I eventually hit them with the perfect shot to the battery. There was a big fireball and it was the first time I've ever done something like that. So I was super pumped. Um, yeah, just that's what I'm hoping for when I when I run Mako or Mako Fest. Uh, so the first round in the bracket, I came up against Twisted Sequel. And right in the first 10 seconds, I went for a pin and they kind of spun diagonally and roundhoused right into my saw and blasted it and ripped the motor actually like clean in half. The bell ripped right out. Um, I was able to last the full three minutes and I almost got some control points in, but uh, that horizontal spinner was so strong, it barely even slowed down. And so David was the, the clear victor there and his robots were impressive all freaking day. Uh, overall, MakoFest went two and two, which was a little disappointing, but I got two amazing finishes, which is what I'm always shooting for. And I'm coming back in March with Mako, hopefully with the, a fully redesigned four wheel drive chassis. That'll make for better matchups against horizontal spinners. Uh, besides that, my brother actually had their first tournament with Turbo Friend, and they went three and one, kicking some major butt. Um, we're planning on making little YouTube rundown videos, so stay tuned for that. Uh, you guys kick butt. Keep up the good work. Uh, I appreciate the podcast. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Julian. As as usual in his last clip, he was very detailed about everything too. He's very detail oriented, so I love that about him. <laughs> Literally every detail. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing these recap videos. Um, I was not able to see any of his matches yet, uh, but I'm really looking forward to finding that match against Cupcake where he hit the battery because that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, it does. Julian is a better than average driver and I'm just loving how fast he is coming up in the sports. Like I just feel like um, at his first event, he drove like a veteran and you know, you take a look at his, his matches from January. Um, they're really, really well driven. So it's dr drive and drive quality is, is probably 80% of the battle. So he is well on his way to um, to really just having having a really really great season um with with the league yeah he's been a ton I of saw fun one of the photos that he posted i don't know what the robot name is but it had a nice slice through the back and i think that might be the one he was referring to where he hit the battery with the battery yeah uh okay so the next one is nate telling us how drum child did <laughs> Hey, it's uh, Nate Franklin, and so I brought Drumder Child for its first ever event. Um, so it ended up uh, winning two matches by knockout and lost one via a judge's decision that I heard was pretty close. Uh, overall, I'm pretty happy with how it performed. Uh, there's just some things I want to change, mainly the uh, weapon to give it a bit more bite because it was more just like grinding and nibbling and not getting some like bigger hits and then the second thing is just to work on a proper wedge attachment because i think that definitely uh hurt me in my last fight against uh twisted sister but overall like i said i'm just really happy about it i'm really happy the bot performed well um one other thing uh worth mentioning obviously is that i was mini botting for mark lou with questionable choices and i was really happy that I helped him get the win in the final. I know there were some matches where I wasn't used to the, um, like the way the uh, mini bot's center of gravity was, so I was kind of just like flailing around. But in the final, when both bots were limping, I just kept going after a blue Marlin, and I did enough to win the judges' decision. So I thought that was absolutely amazing. This was a great event. Awesome. Yeah, we were uh, looking forward to when we did our pre pre show, we were looking forward to seeing how he would do driving something with an actual weapon. Um, and I think he did really, really well. So good job, Nate. I was so, so proud of Nate. And like afterwards, he posted um, on Facebook that like he was proud of himself and that he had really been, um, you know, a little like overwhelmed or maybe anxious to like go into the world of, of weapons because he didn't think that he was capable or able or you know whatever and um i'm so glad that like he proved himself wrong and that he sees what he's capable of because like i've always regarded him as one of the most incredible drivers that we have like with or without a weapon and to hear that he was I don't know, like doubting that about himself made me really sad. <laughs> so I'm just so excited to see how well he did um, and that he is going to come back and hearing like his his own um, thoughts on like how to make his weapon stronger. Like just made me really happy <laughs> right there. Um, yeah, he's the best. 
I, uh, I feel like Nate Franklin and Robert Ron should band together and start like a mini bot for hire service. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, like, Nate, uh, Nate Nate, was there for the full court win, you know, in the finals. And here in January, like, in the finals, I feel like, you know, when if you're if you're on, on the broadcast super late at night, like, you're doing something right. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like it should start start charging for their, for their yeah. services. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree with that. Do they charge different if they win or lose? Or flat rate? <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, flat flat rate. You got to pay ahead of time. Mm. Yeah. You, oh, you uh, got to have the F one driver start getting a contract for the year, and then you have to have like everything lined up, your sponsors, everything lined up. At halfway through the season, you change teams <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. This is great. Uh, and <clears throat> we were talking about Mr. Roper earlier, uh, so let's hear from our favorite uh, fake New Zealander and see how fake. Mr. Roper did. <laughs> Hello, robot people. It's Mark Rennie with Team Eel Monkey and Mr. Roper. Uh, I just want to take this moment to say thank you. I want to thank everyone for letting us embarrass ourselves, embarrass those around us, embarrass NHRL and even those people off in the distance who were just embarrassed for us it means the world to me so uh, thank you and I appreciate it uh, two people in particular are responsible for all this and that is Lindsay Bear and Tom Farkas send your letters um, Lindsay you encouraged us to keep making weirder and weirder stuff and Tom you are weirder stuff um, I, I really am grateful <laughs> And, like, this is the year for us. This is the culmination of us just being immersed in NHRL. And to have it result in getting to fight one of the smartest and funniest people involved in the sport. That three-year-old with that fire machine. Unstoppable. Get to know him. He's a great dude. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. I could have been warmer. Um, so maybe it'll be pants in March. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> He's such an awesome dude. <laughs> well, I thought Chris was going to have a moment there, but... I <laughs> Damn it, Rennie! <laughs> Oh my god, the way that I cackled laughing with the, that direct. I don't know. Uh, Clyde has been referred to as a three-year-old many times. So That's true. It's very possible. Uh, <laughs> For for everyone that's this is an only an audio medium, uh, as he as Mark was talking and he said the most genius, Lizzie turned the camera to Chris. <laughs> and he said that three year old <laughs> oh. I was like, Yeah, we gotta get Chris's reaction to this genuine moment on camera and then and then uh, yeah, foiled. Foiled again. That's oh. so funny, Mar uh, Mr. Roper, m instantly iconic. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It made sense that he was like pitted, you know, with Tom because, like, 
<laughs> the, the, the eel monkey team literally took a page right out of the book. You don't have to build bots to win dumpsters. You can choose a path to build bots that win hearts and minds because it is just as important, if not more important, in my opinion. Uh, and it's 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 the it's the one cool thing about our sport where you know just as much as some people are into like fine tuning getting their bot one percent better some people just want to inspire others and make them have a good time and then that's their trophy and the fact that there's people that are willing to invest their time energy and money into doing that is uh it gives me hope for humanity yeah. and uh people like tom people like uh, uh mark they give me hope uh and i love the fact that we have people like that that build those kind of bots and that that bring that kind of energy and so uh as much as um he just took a shot across my bow i will say <laughs> it was an honor and a privilege uh, to pit next to you and uh to steal part of your table and the table on the right side of me and the table across from me <laughs> Uh, because without your half of the table, I couldn't have done it. <laughs> I, I I am prepared to buy a Mr. Roper like miniature toy like yesterday. Yeah. I am prepared to spend any amount of money for a miniature Frank, any amount of money for a miniature positively hysterical. Did you see the one pounder? Um, Pause. Yes. I, I'm, I'm talking about like just a teeny tiny little desk toy, you know? Yeah. Um, you press a button like, and it does the smash. Oh, it would be incredible. It would be incredible. I, I, I would buy that for a hundred bucks. I'm not even kidding. Um, so yeah, uh, build it, build it. If, if, if you think it would make a good toy, then it's probably going to make a good combat robot. So gotta, gotta keep Marketing. it weird. Yep. Can't agree with you more. Uh, okay, so just two more. The next one I have is Bob uh, talking about qualifying with Blue Marlin. Blue Marlin. Hello, Havoc Rundown crew. I'm Bob Balanson, builder of Peekaboo and Blue Marlin. I had a blast at the January event. I uh, was really excited to qualify Blue Marlin for finals. And uh, my favorite moment from the event was the power of friendship versus misdirected aggression. Uh, I went into the event not really thinking much of the drill bot. You know, it's it's a drill bot. They they never work, right? And then I'm queuing up. I think I believe it was Blue Marlin versus Razor's Edge. I was queuing up that fight, and then I I hear someone yell, "Oh my God, the drill bot worked!" And I look over to Cage Two, and it's just a huge puff of smoke. <laughs> and um, yeah, the. I ended up rewatching that fight several times. It was that was that was pretty awesome. I love that he qualified for finals, mm -hmm. and his favorite moment was someone else's fight. <laughs> That's yes. just amazing. <laughs> yes, I think I think Kodo drilling a hole in somebody else's bot was ninety nine percent of builders like. One of those moments where everybody turned and went like, he did it. He finally did it. <laughs> did Someone <the> did it. <laughs> the mad genius. <laughs> We've been talking about it for years and it happened. 
Yeah, he, he kind of fulfilled like like hundreds of builders' dreams all at once. <laughs> they laughed they're, at me when they said doing, drill. Of their robot doing what it's supposed to do, which <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of like 0.5 for three in that department. So like, awesome job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Okay, and the final one I have is from Seth Schaefer uh, telling us about Division. Uh, specifically, he uh, he mentions fighting uh, Reaper and Deadletter, whatever, whoever, whoever's bots those were. Yep. Hey there, Havoc Rundown team. Always great to see you guys at the event. I had a lot of fun fighting both of you. Ryan, I am very sorry I destroyed your robot. And Justin, I'll explain a bit later, but basically I couldn't have even saved you if I tried. Uh, Division version four was my bot and it was entered into the competition as a three and a half pound flywheel counter gyro vertical spinner with a hub motor weapon system. Everything in the bot was very experimental and it was all brand new build, completely nothing the same from previous versions of Division, despite the name. Uh, basically, the bot has two options. I can either run it as a three pound robot with no flywheel or as a four pound multi-bot team using a half pound bot called Remainder and the counter gyro flywheel adds about a half a pound to the main robot. So I switched back and forth. I had five fights and with two of them, I removed the flywheel. Um, both of the fights that I had against you, Hunter Brothers, I was running the flywheel and I was trying to figure out how to make it work better with that, but I didn't quite manage it because apparently with the front forks, the weight distribution is just terrible, and I was having terrible traction issues and couldn't really drive in a straight line most of the time. Uh, immediately after the first couple hits that Division landed on Dead Letter, for instance, all I could do is pivot in place, and I couldn't even drive back to the doors after the fight. Uh, but... I did manage to get the bot to drive okay without the flywheel running the front wedge attachment. And it was really funny because in my last fight of the day against Blood, Sweat, and Tears, I was running no flywheel with the wedge. And the announcers were talking about how incredible the flywheel subsystem was and how the bot was driving so well because of it, even though it wasn't on the robot. <laughs> uh, announcers, do we have any notes on what was <laughs> Uh, all right. Later in the day, you know, it was Kyle and Adam, you know, and Sam. Like, we can, you know, who who knows what's going on with those guys? Um, I mean, okay, all right. So, just first off, the new division, division version four, incredible. Like, uh, you know, we didn't see the same kind of like chaotic bouncing energy that we typically see from division. It seemed a lot hardier. Like, it was able to just just because it wasn't. You know, just bouncing around, damaging its own systems. Um, it just looked great. Um, counter flywheel at three pounds is just madness, and I love that. Like, just the audacity of that is just wild. Um, and I just really liked the invertibility of version four of Division. I thought that it was so, so smart. Um, so I, I think he's got something there. I love the look of Division 1, 2, and 3. Division 4 looks kind of like, I don't know, um, Iron Man 1 or something like that. <laughs> I, I think like like the look will probably look cooler and sleeker at some point. It's a very kind of shallow <laughs> bit of feedback for the robot. Um, but the performance was fantastic. So um, 
good on you, YouTube sensation Seth Schaefer from Just Cause Robotics. Yeah, my my. Every every time that I say that, I get paid ten bucks. By the way. <laughs> I my remember plan. someone in the YouTube live chat did a uh, clock that you say that every time, and they were like, I love that Luke introduces Seth as YouTube sensation every time. Um, listen, I, I, um, it's, a, it's a meme that only I, I appreciate. So uh, it's, it's a meme for one, myself. You and one you know, YouTube commenter. You know what? Now, every time I see Seth, that's how I'm going to address him so I can spread the meme. I, I'm just going to see him in person and be like, how are you, YouTube sensation Seth Chamber? It's like when we see Johnny from Johnny TV. From yes. Now we're going to do it Seth. <laughs> Is that YouTube legend Seth Schaefer? <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so, so we we are a little high on time, so we are going to wrap it there. Uh, and that, my fellow bot enthusiasts, wraps up another thrilling episode of Havoc Rundown. Uh, we went over our January New Bots event with our amazing friends from the Behind the Bots podcast, Chris, Lindsay, and Luke. Uh, before we sign off, a massive shout out to our incredible listeners. Your passion for robot combat fuels the gears of this podcast. We're grateful for each and every one of you. As we power down for now, remember to subscribe, rate, and leave your comments. Let us know your favorite moments from today's episode and share your thoughts of the world of robot combat. We love hearing from you. Stay tuned for more electrifying interviews, behind the scenes insights, and the latest from the National Havoc Robot League. <laughs> Until next time, this is Pick and Troll Crew, the Pick and Troll Crew signing off from the Havoc Rundown. Keep the sparks flying and may your gears always turn in your favor. Everyone, Bye, everyone. say goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. I love you. <laughs> Until next time, young roboteers. <laughs> Bye.